Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. This season we are deep diving into the relationship between fashion and sustainability, discussing everything from intersectionality to tech-led innovations in the industry and what consumers can do to make a real positive impact. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sustainably Influenced. I should actually be saying a bonus episode. So this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago live at the Cheltenham Literature Festival where Charlotte and I actually hosted a talk on the Voicebox stage. So Voicebox is a brand new part of the Cheltenham Literature Festival. It launched this year and it's more of the stage where young voices get to be heard. There's a lot of DJs, world-renowned artists, panel talks, workshops and things like that. So for me, it was really interesting to be part of a stage like that where young people get to share their opinions and voices. On top of that, I should really talk about the episode. So I'm sure if you've been listening, this entire season is all about fashion. And what's different about this episode is that it's more about our journey and what got us into sustainability. So that's why we wanted to share it with you guys. So if anybody hasn't listened to that or doesn't know why Charlotte and I started Sustainably Influenced, then this is the episode for you. Please enjoy and make sure that you listen to the closing episode immediately after. So this is a nice introduction to us as podcast hosts. We are Charlotte Williams and Bianca Foley. Nice to meet you. And we are the hosts of Sustainably Influence, which is a podcast focused on sustainability. And it's essentially guiding people through the minefield of the term sustainability. Because we started it just over a year ago, a year and a half ago. And since the launch, we've realised that the word means everything and nothing. We're both influencers and we have jobs as well in our real lives outside of that. And we get approached by brands all the time to talk about sustainability. And sometimes it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. And other times it's like, no. Like yesterday, I was asked to promote something which was a sustainable food item. And it was just like, that makes no sense. And that's not what sustainability is. And this word means everything again and nothing. So that's what our podcast is all about. Just really trying to decipher when that word is used in different situations, what it actually means. So we interview fashion experts, we interview sustainability purists, eco-warriors, eco-curious people, people who are really living a lifestyle that is impressive, exciting, and we can go in and ask them questions because we're very curious humans. And we then learn from it. We're not experts in sustainability but I feel like by the time in 55 years time when we finish the podcast (laughs) and series 1005 we will then become experts and we will have learned from all these amazing people that we speak to every week but how did it start so we met there's some sort of disparity about the time when we actually met. Yeah. I can't seem to remember when we met, but it was sometime in the past five years. Yeah, so (laughs) it's we met through the new school way. We didn't go on a dating app, but we went on Instagram, Instagram, the, the social app. Bianca slid into my DMs, and I always like to say that so that it shows that I'm not the keen friend. But Bianca slid into my DMs. If you don't know what that means, it means she messaged me out of the blue on my Instagram account, and I was like, ooh, who's this pretty girl? I like her. I like her style. And I'm always up for being a new friend. That's my biggest thing. Most of my friends I found through the internet. I'm a massive introvert. I'm sitting on a stage, so that doesn't make any sense. But I'm massive introvert, <laughs> and I love being by myself. But I also love chatting to people online. And that's how my social media world started. But Bianca slid into my DMs and asked to meet for a coffee and to go shopping. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And this was 
five to six Ish, years, years ago. ago. And we went and we sat down and spent like three hours just literally talking. We got on yeah. really, really well. And we were meant to go to H&M, Zara and another shop to buy loads of, <laughs> loads of clothes. That was like the aim of the day, to buy lots of clothes because we were really excited. But we got talking and realised we had a massive love for vintage clothes, for fashion in general, and we had a lot of things in common. And as our relationship built, we realised that we're kind of the same person yeah. and we have the same interests and we have a lot of the same questions. Yeah. So that's where it led. So do you want to move on to the Yeah, sure. Side? On to what the actual podcast and yeah, where I came where that from. Came so from. Sustainably Influenced came about because we, as we mentioned before, we're influencers and as part of our jobs, we do receive packages and product from different various brands that they ask you to promote. So a lot of what happens is you receive this package there's a load of cardboard, there's a load of packaging, there's a load of everything. And yeah. you become inundated with it. And it can actually be quite overwhelming. So both of us got to the point and I was like, I'm not a particularly large scale, quote unquote, influencer or content creator, as I prefer to say. <laughs> but I was still inundated with packages. And it got to the point that I wanted to ask brands and ask PR companies why they needed to send things out in this way. And we both started having this discussion and we wanted to learn more and sustainability was starting to become a bit of a thing in the news and you were seeing it in certain fashion brands and beauty brands like doing a lot of clean beauty and things like that. So it led us to ask these questions and then us being us and this digital marketing maven sitting next to me said, why don't we do an event? So we held an event called Sustainably Influenced, which we put together in a matter of weeks. No, a week. We put it together in a week. It was like... <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but it was a week. So um, after a week, we managed to put together this event that sold out. And I think that we were both like, our minds were blown. And, and we were like, why is anyone here? Like, we didn't even promote it. <laughs> and it's because... I mean, I spoke to a lot of the audience afterwards and they said it's because they don't know what sustainability means. So having events or platforms such as Sustainably Influenced to then have that discussion and to open up people's minds that they're so valuable... So that's where Sustainably Influence came from. We then decided a year later, as the conversation continued, to then start the podcast. And that started last January? Pre, yeah, yeah pre-pandemic. So we recorded and we put out like our first series and we were just, we went gung-ho. We went yeah. like, yes, we're going to do it, let's really go exciting. for it. It was so exciting because it was something that we were both so, so interested in, but we were novices at the time. We didn't know that much about sustainability and everything that we've done since... January 15th, I think, was our first recording. I don't know why I know that date. But <laughs> I know that date. I can't remember what I did two hours ago. <laughs> Everything since that point has been about learning and about education yeah. for us. And I think that that's something that we do talk about quite a lot on the podcast because it is something that we both really, really believe in. I think that education is really key. Yeah. And if you listen to the podcast, that's something, <laughs> one of our really sad things. We have like certain themes that come up every episode and education somehow, no matter if it's like education reform, political reform, anything that's to do with like teaching people comes in. So the podcast isn't necessarily always about sustainability in terms of like plastic and environment. It's to do with people. And I think that's something that we really like to push on. And I guess I run a marketing agency that's focused on diversity and inclusion. So for me, anything to do with pushing representation is like, that's what I'm about. So if I can push that into anything I do, I'm always like, yay. But there's a massive part of sustainability that is all about that. So making sure that people understand that it's not just about the planet, which is obviously really important, but it's also about the people that live on the planet. So if we think about where 
our pieces are made. We talk a lot about fashion because we have a massive interest. And that's our background. And that's our background. And fashion and beauty. But if we think about the fashion world, where our garments are made, the factories, the garment workers, if we think about who they actually are, the majority of them are women. And a lot of them are black or brown women. So they look like us. So for us, when we talk about sustainability, it's not just thinking about, oh, we need to make sure we're saving X amount of plastic for the ocean, which is super important. But it's also thinking about people, these women who have families and have lives that they need to support themselves with that are being paid less than a penny a day to create a piece of clothing mm. that then gets sold for five pounds and then gets thrown away after one use and then the cycle continues. So we really like to focus on making people understand that it's not just about what we think sustainability is because that's what brands are pushing to us, the whole idea of if you buy this, we'll donate X amount to the ocean. That's great. That is really important. But what are you buying? Like, why are you buying it? And how did that piece of clothing or that product that you that you want to buy, how did that get there? Yeah. And what are you going to do with it after? Yeah. Should we talk about a little bit about our personal journeys? About six or seven years ago, I started my own fashion brand. And the whole basis of it, this was before I knew anything about sustainability, but I've always had a mindset where I love vintage clothing. I am an avid shopper of my mother's wardrobe. That's the best vintage shop there is. Your mum's wardrobe is so nice. Yes. <laughs> really annoying. But I also thought to myself, I was like, I, I like the whole aspect or the idea of minimalism and really, really wearing what it is that I own and getting real use out of my clothing. So I started a brand that was focused around that. And it was, I wasn't going to be designing anything because I thought to myself, that's not my wheelhouse. I don't want to go into making more items because there's a lot of cost and knowledge associated with that, that at the point I didn't have. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'll do a 32 piece capsule collection of clothing and pretty much I think 80% of the range would always be available. So you would not be buying different things every season because I don't like the idea of trends. I love a trend. I will read every fashion magazine out there, want to know what's going on, but I don't want to buy into it. That's why I started my business. And that kind of led me into this mindful consumption sort of mindset where I started to then go along this eco journey. And then as being an influencer, and I was working predominantly with what you'd call fast fashion brands. So the likes of like New Look, Primark, nobody works with Zara, but Zara, I buy a lot of stuff from them. But yeah, so I was working with those sorts of brands, but I didn't like the idea of constantly having clothes almost essentially thrown at me because it really didn't sit well with my ethics or my morals. And I just felt a bit like, oh, this isn't really what I want. I want to be working with brands that I really do wear, that I believe in, that I don't want to be falling into that influencer space where you're promoting a new item every week and being like oh my god I really love this outfit like it's the latest trend yeah hashtag ad I don't want to be that person so it made me start to look at how I was using my wardrobe and subsequently I did shut down my business because as Charlotte said real life work a million other things trying to juggle you don't have time always so I kept on with the influencer work and then met this lovely lady and then the rest is as we've already said so where did your story start? We always talk about this, and I actually don't know where my story started. We're quite different in the way that I feel like your sustainability journey actually has, like, a, there was, like, a purpose, there was this beginning, like, you can track it. Whereas mine, I'm pretty sure, came because my mum is just really tight. Like, <laughs> and it's, it's, she hates when I talk about this, but my mum is the most frugal woman you've ever come across in your life. She can stretch a pound more than anyone in the world. It doesn't make any sense. But when I was younger, I'd be like... I went to 
a school where all my friends seemed to just have just so much stuff and they'd I always bring up the Miss 60 jeans, but there was like these Miss 60 jeans. <laughs> I was jeans. waiting for these jeans to get brought up. <laughs> she hates me because I always bring these up, but I, I, I'm still like bitter. I feel like Miss 60. Miss 60, if you can hear me, please just send me the jeans, okay? But in like 2013, there was a pair of Miss 60 jeans that every single girl at school had, and I did not have them. And my mum was like, don't worry, we will sort this out. So guess what happened? And actually, I haven't told you this bit because my nan has just recently reminded me. My nan made me the Miss 60 jeans. <laughs> So my nan um, was a dressmaker by trade, so they were fantastic. This is brand new information. Yeah, to no, me. my nan. I, I was at my nan's. This house is an last exclusive. Week. Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she told me, and she was like, "Do you remember I made them for you?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, the most uncomfortable things in the world." But <laughs> my nan was a dressmaker by trade, and she literally could make anything. And she made me a pair of jeans, basically that were the Miss Sixty V low rise flared bell bottom, like amazing jeans. And my mum was like, "There you go, you got what you wanted." And I was like cool thanks and I realized it was then in my mind that I was like if I'm gonna get something my pocket money can only take me so far I worked but again that can only take so far at the age of like 15 13 whatever and I had to buy in a different way so I really got into charity shops and vintage shops and car boot sales which to this day car boot sales are everything I don't know if anyone loves car boots but they are literally I just you can find the best gems there but that's where my sustainability journey started, but it wasn't because I was necessarily interested in the planet or had any interest or knowledge about what was going on. It was the fact that I just really wanted stuff that I couldn't afford and I couldn't get, and my mum was never going to buy it. My dad probably would if my mum would allow him to. Good cop, bad cop. <laughs> yeah, he was, my mum was like, never give her money for clothes, and he was like, okay. So I had to just buy things like that, and I think I trained myself into just buying secondhand and that was just it. The first shop I ever, when I got my debit card at the age of 15, the first shop I bought from was actually eBay. And I bought myself a, at the time it was weirdly because ASOS wasn't that big, but I bought myself an ASOS dress off of eBay and that was when it started. So I have always had this love for secondhand, but it came from a necessity more than anything else because my mom was so strict. But as time went on, being an influencer, I've, been very lucky to receive lots of gifts and lots of things but something I've always had this feeling about is wearing things over and over again because if you've got something that's nice and I always like embarrass myself when I do talks remember when a couple of weeks ago and I was like this dress and I mentioned that that one dress like a thousand times and everyone was like where's the dress from I was like it's not even like somewhere good but when I like something I just wear it over and over again and I think that's something that I've never understood that the millennial generation just doesn't do we just don't wear things and I love to just wear my clothes. I don't think it comes from social media, though. It does come from social media. Yeah. And I think maybe I absorb social media in a different way because yeah. I work in social media. So I just think it's all, yeah. I know it's all fake. So I always wear my clothes over and over again. And I was struggling with the influencer world because we'd have all these packages, all these clothes sent. And I'd be like, well, I can't, I can't keep up because I haven't even worn this dress. Like, I wore it once. I'm, I need to wear it again. Like, it's nice. And I just had to take a step back from the influencer world for a second to be like, I don't think I fit in here because I don't wear new things every single day. And I can't be a fashion influencer because I can't hit the latest trends. I can't do this stuff because I just don't have an interest in that. Yeah. But I love clothes. So that's kind of where I started, but I guess I didn't understand it at the time. And yeah. until we actually met and started talking about our issues, I don't think I even understood what, I didn't even think I knew what the word sustainability was. Same. 
I, I can 100% agree with you on that because I didn't have a clue. I five, babe. Yeah, so that's where it started for us, which yeah. was quite interesting because a lot of people are like, their story is a little bit deeper and ours is very much around dresses and clothes and shoes yeah. and, and vintage cowboy boots. But it's evolved into something so much more than that and that's what yeah. I think is so nice about... Always bringing it back. Yeah, <laughs> about sustainability. It's the fact that it can start from a really, really trivial place. Yeah. And for me, it was the other thing of I just bought a home last year so I kept thinking about the packages, we're buying furniture, doing all these sorts of things. How can we furnish our home? How can we live in a more sustainable way? And that was a yeah. big thing for me living with possibly the most consumer-focused man in the world. <laughs> it's been quite hard to battle, but that's fine. I think he's watching as well, oh. so that's all right, babe. Yeah. <laughs> Soz, honey. Love you, <laughs> Love you. <laughs> but it's, it's hard to find that balance and say that sometimes just because something is secondhand or somebody's bought it, it may not have necessarily even used it. By buying from a secondhand retailer or just a person selling yeah. it on Facebook Marketplace or Gumtree, that you're reducing the need for that new item to be made, which then impacts the environment. And I think that that's something that we all have to change our mindset when it comes to consumption. But moving on to the podcast itself, has anyone here actually listened to Sustainably Influenced? <laughs> yes. Oh my God, yes. yes. I was hoping there'd be one. This is great. <laughs> that was a really rogue move, because if yeah. there was no one in this room, I was no. like... I would have been like, so let's tell you all about it. <laughs> so Sustainably Influenced, our baby. We wanted to kind of talk you through a couple of our favourite episodes yeah. and why they're our favorite episodes so do you want to stop oh okay so my favorite i'm gonna actually i'll get in quick because it's both of our favorites but my favorite is with an incredible woman called kesha hanam and she's based in new york and she is a writer an activist and just literally a badass and turns <laughs> out she's coming to london in a couple of months and we're actually gonna meet her in real life but she's been on the podcast twice yeah because we're obsessed with her and she talks about activism and environment environment kind of social justice mixed with the environment i'm speaking to her for the first time beginning of last year was so interesting because it was just before the black lives matter resurgence and we spoke to her again after so we spoke to her i think it was in april and then we spoke to her again in in the summer last year and we were talking about the link between race class which is something we often forget and the environment and how they're so linked and also so forgotten about. Mm -hmm. And she is so interesting and knows so much. And I would highly recommend, if you're going to listen to an episode, I would highly recommend that one. That, yeah. Or one of the two. The first one, I think, is also like a good introduction. It's episode. in season one and then there's another one in season two. So you can yeah, that way. but that she was my favorite person because I guess I'm biased because it linked with my day job. Yeah. But also it was just, it was very interesting and it definitely sparked some ideas for me and made me question things that I hadn't maybe thought about before because when we started the podcast about sustainability we didn't have the people side in our minds yeah we, we definitely all. had the planet and then when she came on we were thinking about people and we were like oh my god this makes so much sense so that's something I would definitely recommend if you want to have a listen and then yours um, is... mine is <laughs> it's with a company called Oxwash who oh, yeah. are a green cleaner meaning that they're not like traditional dry cleaners, which are really, really toxic and harmful for the environment. They use, I'm going to try and get the name right, polychloroethylene. Is that yeah. it? Oh, well done. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Trying to remember the science terms. So that is a really, really toxic chemical, which is actually a carcinogen. And a lot of dry cleaners are 
ending up with a lot of health issues as a result yeah. of using this product day in, day out. So it really opened my eyes to a lot of the bad stuff that goes on separate to the clothes and separate to making the clothes. It's the cleaning of the clothes. And it's something that we all do. And I think it resonated with me in such a way because we're just regular people. We have to do all these normal household things, like your chores and bits and pieces like that and just the random stuff that you have to do at home. And you don't think a lot of the time about the chemicals or the products that you're using in your house. Maybe on your skin it's different and what you're eating is always going to be at the forefront of your mind, but the products that you're using. So the Oxwash episode really, really got to me. And yeah. laundry is a big thing on the podcast. Yeah, People, that's the second one. A lot of our audience want to know, how do you clean your clothes in a sustainable or in an ethical way that's not harming the environment and not creating more plastics going into the ocean? So... It's really, it's really changed the way that, I mean, I wash my clothes first of all, so. <laughs> oh my God, just a note on that podcast episode, and I taught my mum this actually on the weekend. So he said mm -hmm. that, because we were talking about washing, you know, right, so you have your washing machine, yeah. and we'll set, wash on 30, we're all being told, wash on 30, don't need to go above that. How many of you wash your towels or anything that you think really needs a clean on 60 or above? Okay, no, there's not just one of you, genuinely. God. Okay, yeah. so everyone else washes on 30. You wash your towels? 30, 40. 40, 40. okay. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Oh, because on the towel setting. Yeah. yeah, right. So <laughs> everyone else is like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> my nan has drummed into me for the whole of my life. You have to wash, wash on towel. hot. You have to wash on hot. So we wash all of our towels and all of our things that are dirtier on hot. Or we use a setting that's called real grime. But he was just basically saying that the technology nowadays is so good and most of us use, you know, you put that Dettol cleaner in your, in your washing machine. He was like, if you use that and you've got a good washing machine, why are you just not using Eco for the whole thing? So it takes about three hours or two and a half hours to wash on Eco. But he was like, you never need to wash beyond 30. And so he was like, you could even wash on cold if you want. Yeah. There's no reason. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay, love then. that. What you need to Absolutely do. love that. But it's, and it's just so interesting because we've been doing this for so long because our mums or grandmas have said to us, that's how you clean. And that is so, just like such a big thing for so many people. It's like legacy and tradition that gets handed down. And that's how you, you do things. And we spoke to this guy and he just was just like, what? Don't wash on hot, that's ridiculous. Like, why are you wasting so much energy? It wasn't even like an environmental thing. He was just like, why are you wasting so much energy? energy like, you're paying water, for that. And we yeah. were like, oh yeah. And that's something I learned and I taught my mum on the weekend. Yeah. I will be honest, I don't think I've done a single wash above cold. I set everything to cold in 50 minutes now. Oh, I just do the eco one. No, my eco goes on for like 10 years. I haven't got time. <laughs> so <laughs> like, cut that 50 minutes max. So cold wash. <laughs> yeah, no, 50 minutes max. Because it's no, my one, on, I've got like a super eco. Oh, yeah, you've got the, I've yeah, got, she's got a new um, fancy new machine. Yeah, I know. It's um, a super eco and it's cold, like ice cold water. And yeah. it almost mimics their washing machine. So I actually went into the Ox Wash branch in Battersea and I recorded a lot of what goes on in the branch and we created a video for Instagram. It was incredible. I was proper geeking out in there. I was walking around going, having my face right up against these washing machines because the traditional dry cleaners, everything's washed on hot and then they put it through all these other machines and stuff. And this, essentially how it works is it baths your clothes rather than showering them. So 
That's you can the... tell we're not cool girls, right? Yeah. You, you, you get the vibe here. Like, like all of this stuff is what is exciting. Yeah. And this is real life for me. <laughs> I'm like, give me these random facts to talk about. I'm like, yeah, this, these are great things. But yeah, so it baths your clothes instead of showering. So the water comes from above and then you, the clothes get spun through it. That's how normal washing machines work. But there's the water comes up from the bottom. Essentially, your clothes just sit there and they have a little swish in it. <laughs> And movement is exactly what it does. <laughs> I found it so interesting. And then they've got a couple of people in there that stretch the clothing back into the correct shape when it's wool. Mm. And I saw a wool jumper that had shrunk up a little bit because wool in water, we all know what happens. It's a little bit small. I've ruined a cashmere jumper last year. Still a little bit gutted over that. But he puts it on this reformer and they steam it. And you just see the fibres stretch back out. And it goes to its normal shape, the normal size. And it was so interesting. I thought to myself, where can I buy one of these? Yeah. Where can I buy one of these? It was like, it's about five grand. I was like, okay, I'll come to you. I'll come to you when I need it done. But it's just such an interesting space. Even down to the product that they use. They use Vanish Eco, Vanish Clean or Green. Yeah, There's a green a version of Vanish that they wash everything everything in and it's non-toxic which is amazing and then even down to traditional dry cleaners wire hangers plastic bags yeah they use a potato starch cellulose bag so it's completely biodegradable and everything's on wooden hangers and they offer a service where you can send everything back to them essentially so they can reuse everything so not only is it recyclable it can still be reused which is a company and why what I think we both loved working with them and doing the interview with them for the podcast was that it's a company that's putting sustainability and their ethics at the forefront of everything that they do. Mm. So it was really, really nice to see. Yeah, those yeah. are our two favourite episodes. So what were we going to talk about next? Our favourite facts oh, our favorite that we've learned. So I'm having to look at my phone because it's quite, there's a lot of numbers in this one. Yeah, numbers are hard. So I'm going to give you a number. Can you tell me if it's right? Yeah. So if we do this, so my favourite fact, and correct me if I'm wrong, and the one that stuck with me, and it comes back in a lot of episodes. So one of the big things on the beauty side that's really got to me is that there are so many products in our bathroom that actually aren't recyclable, and we don't realise. And I have this hair, and I have to use a lot of products. So imagine I use a lot of shampoo, I use a lot of conditioner, and I use a lot of hair creams and stuff. But I didn't realise that most of the products that I have been using for so long, the packaging that they're in is just not recyclable. So they will be going into landfill and they will just be sitting there for a very long time and I've contributed to that. And we had an episode really early on yeah, with a brand. Yeah, it was one of our it was first season, one yeah. of our first episodes with the founder of Audacity, which is an LA-based skincare brand. The founder is French. She launched her business. She lives in California and she had breast cancer and she basically launched the business after beating cancer because she basically healed herself through changing her lifestyle, which is crazy to think. But she now has this brand which really focuses on that. And they have a product which is called 552, and it's a shampoo bar. Well done. And here we go. Yes. <laughs> got it right. Now's the next bit. So 552 shampoo bar. And it's named 552 because there are 552 million shampoo bottles a day. Yeah. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's 1.5 million a day. Yeah, 5.52 million a year that go to landfill in the US. That's just the US. Just the US. That's alone. Not... The US is pretty big. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It's a big place. But shampoo bottles. We're not talking about every single product in your whole bathroom. We're talking about shampoo bottles. So they created a shampoo bar, which is actually really good because I've yeah. tried a few and they're not, they're not great. And this one is good. It can be used on m multiple different hair types. I can use it on mine. 
and you don't have to have a bottle. And that really made me think. And it actually made us, we did a challenge when we went through our bathrooms and we looked at the products that we use and we looked to see what was actually recyclable. And it was shocking. Yeah, barely anything. Yeah. And even if one part of a bottle is recyclable, a lot of the time with face creams and face washes, the top. the top isn't, or the pump. Pumps are the worst thing to recycle. And a lot of companies are trying to look at ways to develop it. Yeah. I think the only company that may have come out, and I don't know if it's been launched yet, but Ren skincare oh, yeah. they've created a pump that is i think 98 percent recyclable so there's just one little bit that you have to put in the bin which is completely reduce it because all of the rest of their packaging is now completely recyclable so that was your favorite fact yeah mine is from a very very recent episode which oh, yeah. hasn't gone live yet no. it goes live next two weeks. two weeks two weeks two weeks i'm doing the schedule i should know two weeks so it goes live in two weeks. But one of the facts, and I had to put it into the podcast because when I was doing the research, I sat there and I was reading up. And I, normally you do your research and you put things down. I thought, oh, how can I make this sound really intelligent and cool? And I was dumbfounded when I saw yeah. this. So uh, Fashion Nova, which is a large US fast fashion brand, launches 600 to 900 new items per week. That's around 28,000 items a year. That to me, I was like, 28,000 items of clothing. That's just designs. Then there's all the units that go off the back of that. Mm. So how many items of clothing is this one brand producing? It's pretty disgusting, in all honesty. The and then Shein, which is another one, but based in China, releases seven to 10,000 new items a day. Yeah. Wow. How that is even possible makes no sense in my mind. How you can be like, right. <laughs> I've got 7,000 ideas. I'm going to release them now. But yeah. that makes no sense. Yeah. We literally sat there like, what? Yeah, it's staggering. We are quickly running out of time. So should we move on to some tips and then we can open up the floor to a Q&A? Yes. Yeah. So one Get of the big tips, <laughs> yeah, if anybody does have questions. In terms of tips and how to make those changes to become like living a bit more of like an eco-friendly life, for me, the big one is don't rush yourself. Do it in small, manageable changes. Mm. Like you don't want to go at everything. You can't make all the changes at once. There's no way. I think always my thing is to focus on one area yeah. and then really, really get that down and then move on to somewhere else. So if it's your bathroom, you want to change all your products over, don't throw everything out. Oh my God, that's, <laughs> not throw, sustainability. that's not sustainability, Just guys. Like, focus um, on that. Change the products as they're finishing. Move on to something. Replace them with something that is sustainably made, ethically made, clean beauty, etc. And then just move on from there and move on to another zone in your house. So for me, where I started was my wardrobe and I started to completely reduce my consumption. And at six months out of this year, I actually took part in the No New Clothes Challenge. So six months out of this year, I haven't bought anything. Sell a life, five months, because I caved in the last month because I, I had to get some stuff. So I like to be as honest as possible. And that's, yeah. that's the truth of it. Yeah, so small changes is a big... Is, is a big thing that you can do. So just doing it in a manageable way. And mine would be, that is actually my, when I get asked this for like press stuff, that's actually always my tip. But my other tip would be education. So read up on what sustainability actually is. So when a brand's like, I've got this new sustainable line, H&M love to do it. It's like, I love H&M. It's one of my favorite high street brands, but they love to be like, here's a sustainable product for you. And it's like, what does that mean? So let's break that down. No product in any fashion brand can ever be sustainable. 
because you're selling. The idea of sustainability, and I'm sure if anyone sat in Arja's talk earlier, I'm sure she talked about this, but it's, if you're asking people to consume, that's the opposite of sustainability. So the idea is to like lower your consumption rate and to do less, to buy less, to create less, to make less, whatever. So but if you do need to buy, to be mindful about what mind, you buy. Yeah. Think about what you're buying. Do you need it? Is it something that's going to add to your life? Exactly. So if you're being told this is sustainable, it never actually is. So if you really, <laughs> to be completely honest, so if you really think about something, if you really see something and you like it, just because it says it's sustainable or just because that word is used, really look at what that means. Because yeah. there are lots of fast fashion brands that have released recycled nylon collections or recycled collections, which are fantastic because they're recycling what's already there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. Depending on where it is, depending on where you're buying it from, rather than buying a sustainable dress from Australia, it might be actually better to buy something that's not actually ethically made or sustainable from Leicester because the carbon footprint's lower because you're literally just like going up the road to get it. So I think it's really thinking about what sustainability means to you, what your focus is. My focus is pretty much always on people. So when I think about sustainability, obviously the environment's very important, but I think about what we need to do in terms of making sure people are paid, making sure people can live, making sure people actually have the ability to have a life with what we're wearing. But yeah, just think about terminology that's yeah. like my biggest tip and one thing that i think we should do because this was a challenge that we got on our first ever podcast oh, episode was to use no plastic for a week and i think i'd love to challenge everyone in here and yeah. please make sure if you do have instagram to reach out to us or you can email us through our website as well let us know how you get on because yeah, good luck. to me was, <laughs> I, i'll be honest i lasted three minutes yeah she did actually it was hilarious three minutes i was like you know we started the challenge and i was and she was like oh shit <laughs> yeah, <laughs> three minutes. I was working in the city in London at, in my office and I thought, oh, I'm going to go downstairs and go, get a coffee. Oh, I don't have my keep cup on me. I'm going to go and get a coffee. And they gave me the cup. And I, as I stepped out of the shop, I went, oh, God, it's got a plastic lid. It's got a plastic lid. But it's, it's so, you don't realise how much plastic you consume until you're trying to really consciously look at how much plastic you use. So I'd love to challenge everybody to that. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good thing. We'd love to know. Please do let us know if you do take part. If you fail we're even happier because it makes us feel better. <laughs> but, but it also <laughs> highlights the problem. Yeah. Failure yeah. highlights the issue that yeah. we have, that it's almost impossible, yeah. specifically in London. Yeah, if you are living in London and, yeah, it's just really difficult. I can't, I, I'm still shocked that I lasted three minutes. Yeah, me too. <laughs> She's more of a warrior than I am. So I'm just like, how did I win this? I'm <laughs> mental. But on the other side, I think we're running out of time, so maybe we do some Q&A, and I hope someone has a question in this audience so it doesn't get awkward. But if anyone has yes. any questions, oh, yes, that would be great. What is the one thing you think that is actually going to get influencers to stop working with fast fashion brands? I think about this every single day. You've got the climate <laughs> crisis, you've got garment factory fires and collapses. How is that not enough? I just, I don't know. I don't... I, I don't think they want to understand it as a whole. It's easier Some not people, to. I, do, I don't want to tarnish everybody with the same brush. It's very difficult. Yeah. We're figuring it out. We're yeah. figuring it out. I have a friend who's like an influencer, Instagram friend, and I went on her Instagram today, and she was like, like my picture. So I, I went and I liked it, and I was like, oh, you're wearing a pretty little thing. Like, I don't even want to like click heart, but I had to, and I left a comment, and I was just like, if only she just didn't wear that top. That would be so much easier, but she did, and she got sent it, and that's her vibe, and she got she probably got paid for it, and that's her job. 
it's really difficult and I'm, we're really trying yeah, to figure it it's out. It's something that we're discussing quite a lot on this season is how do you, for us with our jobs and being an influencer and being in that space, how do you navigate that? Yeah. It's hard. But I also want to flip that question around slightly. Yeah. Being controversial as we do. But it's how can we stop fast fashion brands producing at the rate that they produce at? Yeah. And then trying to make or encouraging influencers to then promote that. I think that's the other side of it. So it's they can stop once the fast fashion brands stop producing yeah. seven to ten thousand so items a day. <laughs> like yeah. everything from down. comes from law. Legislation is like the biggest thing. So if you're not able to create that much waste and product, then you won't be able to, and then things won't be as bad. And then when it comes to marketing, which is actually the the end, once everything is made, marketing is the end piece. So once you come to marketing, it shouldn't be that big of a problem because at the top it would have been sorted. Have we got time for one more question? If there is one. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Hi, ladies. A one Firstly, fan. I'm obsessed with both of you. That was amazing. <laughs> ah, thank you. Um, obviously, you've got an agency which deals with, I suppose, representation. Do you think that there's a space in the market for a sustainable influencer agency? There you know what? I think, yeah, there are a couple. Are a couple. Yeah, oh, really? they do exist. The only problem we have is most sustainable brands are a bit smaller. Um, the ones that are really yeah. like doing it, they're a bit smaller and they're starting out, so they don't have as much budget. So it's just up to the influencers whether or not they want to take that pay cut. And a lot of influencers have small business budgets, which is great, but you can't always rely on that because that is yeah. their job. So it's just figuring out how to navigate that. But there definitely are, and there, is, there are some really good agencies out there that also do work with like charities and they kind of like offset pricing, which is, yeah. which is quite good. But they, yeah, they do exist, but more would be better. Uh, one to highlight would be Besma. It's not an agency, but there's a platform yeah. for ethical influencers called Ethical Influencers. Yeah. So it's a space where you Amazing. can, yeah, she's really just top of her game. Yeah, she was episode two of season one. Yes. So. <laughs> and she's got this platform and ethical influencers can then sign up and use the network to then work with brands that align with their values, which is really nice. So it gives smaller influencers as well who are more focused on sustainability and ethical living a chance to be seen by those brands. Yeah. Yeah. So we've come to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Sustainably Influence and make sure that you're following us and liking and subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast provider. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.